Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, November 22nd, 2021. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Another fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Arthur Staple of The Athletic will be joining us to talk about the Isles and his brand new book, 100 Things Islander Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? How are you? (laughs) Good, Johnny. How are you doing? Uh, It's been a rough weekend for you. It has, but yet, look at me. My spirits are still high. Yes. How about that? How about that? Good for you. Yeah, you know, I try to I got, try to get through it as best I can. So, folks, welcome to the show. And, of course, before we get into it, I want to remind you all about our wonderful sponsors. We are happy to be presented by R.J. Daniels American Bar & Grill, located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center. It is the best place to catch the aisles when you can't be at the game. Head down for great food and drink specials, plenty of HDTVs, and in-game sound. We're also proud to be sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and the brand new UBS Arena at Belmont Park. They are an official partner of the New York Islanders. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for all their great offerings. And we're happy to be sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 for three free months of service. And happy to be sponsored by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, creator of the Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations at the Islanders' brand new home in UBS Arena, and even more distributors across the country from coast to coast. You can also visit the tap room at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay seven days a week to sample all their fantastic beverages. And of course, our new segment, Questions Brewing. Guys, if you're in the chat, get your questions ready, throw them at us. Because we're going get to get to some questions from you later. Yeah, yeah. We love the chat, and we love hearing from all our fans in the chat. And, and even if you want to tweet us, at Sean Cuthbert, I think is your Twitter handle. Shawnee Hockey. At Shawnee yeah, Hockey It's not guy. important to me. <laughs> uh, and then, of nice. course, you can tweet uh, us at the show at Hockey Night NY and uh, myself at C underscore Arnold 01 if you have questions there as well. But we love answering them. It's been a lot of fun to get that into the show, and especially want to thank our, our new, our returning partners in Oyster Bay Brewing for yes. presenting that segment. But, Shawnee, there's a lot to talk about today. Yes, there is. All sunshine and rainbows, right, folks? Uh, <laughs> so, so since we were last here. I think here, the only person who had a worse week uh, than the Islanders was probably Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't and you probably even won't know even what, understand that reference, Sean. Yeah. I know who the, the, the lad is, but I don't know what the reference is referring Boy. to. We need to get you up on, on pop culture, my friend. I don't need to know what's going on in Jake Gyllenhaal's like, life. I don't need to know that. But I hope but, he's all right. <laughs> Whatever you're alluding to here, I hope he's okay. Is he alive still? He's he alive. Okay, that's good. God. Okay. But the Islanders. Right. So uh, four <laughs> four straight losses this week to, to make a total of six. six. So the longest, most awful <laughs> stretch of games for the New York Islanders under the Barry Trotz tenure. The most they've lost in a row. Yeah. So the timing's awful, too, because they just opened up their brand new home, as you know, and they have yet to 
open a game with the, the first goal, and they have yet to win. And here we are, 5-8-2. and two. Yes. Not good. Not good. What do you say, CA? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I say a lot. Um, you know, I think there's a lot to be concerned about. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button just yet, but there's a The certain, Thomas panic button? The Richard panic button. Oh, right. That, that is his real name. Yeah. I'm glad you finally figured that out. It's, t- it's not time to hit the panic button yet, but it's certainly anyone who's concerned, I think, has a very valid point. And I think that there has been a lot of kind of, I, I don't want to say dismissal of, of people's concern, the, the, especially early on when, when things kind of started to turn the other way. But, uh, you know, you look at the way the team is playing, they don't look like themselves. Obviously, they haven't been helped by the fact that there's now, there's six players still in COVID protocol. Uh, you know, you lost Ryan Pulak at the beginning of the week, but Rock Nelson leaves the game on Sunday night and in the, at the end of the first period, he doesn't come back after taking an awkward hit in the first period. So right, then right. he doesn't return. So you're down more forwards and not to mention the only guy who scored at UBS Arena so far in an Islanders jersey. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things are not, not great. I, I think... The Islanders understand where the situation is at this point. I think you look at the standings right now, and sure, it seems premature to kind of look at them at this point, but to be 16 points out of first place right now, to be you know a couple points back of, of even the last playoff spot in the, in the mm-hmm. division, it's it's concerning. And you know they're going against now teams that are in their division. They have the Rangers twice. They have the Penguins in the middle of that. So these are tough games, and these are games that are going to mean a lot in the standings. It does not get any easier from here. So they have to look. We're going to talk about the, some of the reasons why they're not winning, and we're not necessarily going to call them excuses. But you have the COVID issue. You have what five, six guys that are out of the lineup six guys right now. There well, five go, regulars guys. and then Ross Johnson. Right. We don't know any. There's no update on Brock Nelson, right? No, the team uh, did not practice today. Uh, it was a day right. off, so they'll probably practice tomorrow at Northwell Health Ice Center before mm-hmm. uh, the game on Wednesday against the New York Rangers. We'll probably hear more about Brock Nelson at that point. We'll also probably get a better sense of if there's any more COVID play- players going mm-hmm. into COVID protocol. Or on a more upbeat note, if there's anyone coming out of COVID protocol, um, you know, Josh Bailey, I believe, is still down in Florida in quarantine, and that has to be not fun for him. And and hopefully he's coming out of it soon. I, I yeah. forget what the what the regulation Just is. Just hanging out in a hotel room watching Netflix. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's got to kill. I know yeah. people don't like Josh Bailey on the ice, but it's got to kill him to have not been able to play over the last two games, especially at, at UBS Arena. That's really been an unfortunate circumstance. Hopefully yeah. you get a, your captain back in Anders Lee who's able to um, at least provide a little bit more offensive firepower and, and to that top line and, and maybe help stabilize things a little bit there. But, mm-hmm. you know, Sean, you, you mentioned two kind of people pointing to the fact that the team hasn't had all of its players on the ice because of COVID, because of injuries, and things have been rocky to start the season. Yeah. But there's also been issues even before Prior, that. absolutely. So it, absolutely. it's kind of a combination of everything. You have an Islander team that was already kind of gripping its stick a little bit tightly, and then you add all these different factors into it. It just seems like there's no – every time they're trying to get themselves back up, they just kick kicked again. Well, that's that's speaking to the bad timing that I mentioned before. Right. Because what were we saying when they were struggling during the, the road trip? They haven't played a home mm-hmm. game yet. Waiting to get home, waiting to settle things there. Look at how good their home home record has been previous to this, right? So they finally get through the 13-game slog. They finish just under 500 there. They're coming back home, and boom, they're hit with this COVID protocol issue when you get all these guys out of the lineup, key guys like Anders Lee 
Josh Bailey, and all of a sudden, half your defense is is coming up from Bridgeport, and you got guys making their de- debuts yeah. on the team. I mean, it was just like the worst timing possible. And and I, what do you think about this, Christian? If this wasn't the grand opening of UBS this past weekend, do you think Saturday would have been postponed? I think it's a great question. I know we talked privately about it, and I mm-hmm. expressed my concern about playing that game because right. even if you take away from a standpoint of the Islanders being hindered by their ability to ice all of the players that they'd like to ice mm-hmm. and, a, and a circumstance that's somewhat out of their control, you know, it's not a player that got hurt. Right. It's a player that got a virus, even though they've taken every precaution that they can. Mm-hmm. It's out of the Islanders' control. So even if you take it take away from the Islanders' perspective of, well, it's not necessarily fair for them to play that game being hindered by something that's totally out of their control and not something that, um, you know, uh, they did everything they could to prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. If I'm the Calgary Flames, I'm annoyed on Sunday morning waking up and knowing that there's another player that's going into COVID protocol. Right. Uh, if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm annoyed knowing that this team is playing against our guys and, and – they're face to face on the ice, sharing sharing the ice together. I'm annoyed that you're putting our team at risk now to potentially get exposed because there could be another player that's carrying the that ha, you know has the virus and hasn't tested positive yet or doesn't know it yet. And even from that perspective, I'm surprised the league didn't do anything. I think yes. To answer your question, if if this wasn't the opening of UBS Arena, mm-hmm. if it wasn't all the lead up and the build up that that happened to it. I don't think those two games would have been played. I think that would have been the right call and it would have been a fair call for the Islanders. Yes, I understand they don't want to they don't want to hinder the schedule because it's already tight enough and jam packed enough with the fact that you're sneaking in the Olympics in the middle of February. If that still right. happens, right. you know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of external circumstances about that that could change. Certainly, certainly could. But right now, everyone's operating under the idea and the schedule is set up for a more condensed, jam-packed schedule because everyone's going to Beijing or wherever the Olympics are in China right? Um, in February. And so, I mean, that's I, I get why they're trying to cram the games in there too and trying not to, trying to avoid having to reschedule things. But at a certain mm. point, you got to go, you know, for the health and safety of the players, for, for the fairness and, and, and competitiveness that the NHL and, and the balance and competitiveness that the, the NHL loves to talk about whenever they get a chance to. Right. I mean, you're not going to pause a game when one team who has a third of their starting lineup not on the ice because of COVID. I, I just don't understand that, that decision. Yeah, I really, don't. I, I really feel like there's a strong chance if this was a mid-season game and it wasn't the grand opening of UBS Arena, you might have seen those games get postponed. But there was so much buildup. There was already the long wait. They already spent 13 games in the road. They already spent over a month just waiting to get into the building. And I think that they were just like, we can't. <laughs> we can't yeah, push I mean, this back. I mean, they, you know? they held the ceremony there on Friday and, and everything. And I think that right. was kind of the inclination that nothing was going to change going mm-hmm. into Saturday. You know, you had all the dignitaries there. Mm-hmm. Gary Bettman was there. He told Newsday, you know, that it didn't seem like they were going to cancel the game. So, you know, I, I, that should have been the inclination that, that the Islanders were going to go ahead and play this game. And, and you know, I, I get it. I understand that the NHL is, is doing this as a last resort to postpone these games, but at what point do you go, it's not worth putting a team that disadvantaged on the ice. It's not worth risking the players potential other on other teams, potentially mm-hmm. catching it and impacting their season even more. So yeah. I, again, you know, we, that's why we don't make these decisions. And I'm sure looking back now, Islander fans wouldn't have minded if those games were postponed <laughs> given the results. I mean, not only did they lose these games, but 
the Islanders, I mean, just showing clear signs of these struggles, obviously offensively, and, and look, the defense was already struggling going into these games, but now when you have these young guys coming up, you know, Ajo getting into some games and Salo coming up and leading the team in ice time, yeah. which is pretty surprising, and then you get uh, Hunton in there as well. And Hutton didn't play bad either. I mean, Salo and Hutton, I know Salo had a little they, bit of a rough All game three on of those Sunday. guys had their yeah. moments. I mean, yeah. Salo, but... To stay on Salah for a quick second, he does look promising. I do like what I've seen out of him, and, I, and I'm wondering if, if that makes the Islanders raise their eyebrow a little bit, maybe Lou and or Barry, and say maybe we should give this kid a longer look. But we'll see because obviously, you know, obviously the, the waiver stuff comes into play, and if and when guys get healthy and come off the COVID protocol, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do, if Salah's guaranteed to go back once guys come back, or if they're like, hey, you know what? He's looked pretty good. Everybody knows how they're lacking that you know, younger legs on the right. left side with some foot speed <laughs> yes. that can break out of the zone and that can help out the power play. I, I, he looked pretty good on the power play, even though the power play itself is terrible. But maybe he sticks around. We'll see. We'll see. But it's just, again, the timing was awful. And here we are, six-game losing streak. We're going to pick this up because we have to break for Arthur Staple of The Athletic. Thank you so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night. NY will be right back. It's a new Islander season, and you've got a great spot to catch all the action. RJ Daniels American Barn Grill in Rockville Center. Inside the bar or the heated outdoor patio, you won't miss any of the excitement on their wall-to-wall big-screen TVs and in-game sound. Enjoy it all with delicious food, drinks, and plenty of specials in a lively atmosphere staffed by the friendliest folks around. RJ Daniels is in the heart of Rockville Center at 279A Sunrise Highway, just steps from the train station. So come on down. Watch the boys in blue and orange continue their quest for Lord Stanley with your fellow Islander diehards. And when the game's not on, stop by for a great meal and a great time seven days a week. Hang for the late night bar scene or book a party or catering for any occasion. Call 516-536-6258 to make reservations and go to rjdaniels.com to check out the menu. RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill. Your home for New York Islanders hockey. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country, you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account. So Islander fans, if your business is looking for a change from companies like Spectrum, Verizon, or Optimum, Thai Technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages. Just call 516-856-7800. That's 516-856-7800. Or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com. That's Thai, T-I-E, technology.com. Thai Technology, the right choice for your internet phone service. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to Hockey Night in New York. And yes, we're trying our best to provide some therapy this week as the Islanders' six-game slump continues after a rough loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But as always, it's time for one of our favorite segments on the line brought to you by Tide Technology. And uh, something we really like to do this this season it seems like Sean and, and really class up the joint a little bit we've really 
gone into the book realm. The uh, book realm, you yes. You know, we, we've had yes. noted authors Doc Emmerich on with us <laughs> in the past. We've had uh, Dave Scatchard with us earlier this season. Now yes. we bring on another noted author. Noted author. And friend of the show named Arthur. <laughs> Arthur Stable of The Athletic and now author of the new Islanders book, 100 Things Islander Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Arthur Staple, how are you? I'm good, fellas. How you doing? Doing well. Hopefully you're feeling a little bit better. I know you've been uh, a bit under the weather. You, too, have been uh, sidelined by an illness, but non- non-COVID related, it seems. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I think uh, we're all living in the world now where every illness feels a little <laughs> bit more fraught than it used to, but uh, just a few days on the couch for me, and uh, I'll be back at it soon. Awesome. Well, we're glad you could join us tonight, Arthur. And of course, we're glad you could come talk with us about this great new book you put out. Obviously, a lot of work has gone into this to put together 100 things Islander fans should know and do before they die. And uh, there's a lot of great tidbits in the book. And I kind of want to get you to talk about the things that Islander fans should do, because I know you put together sort of a, a compilation of, of different places and, and things that Islander fans need to do before they die. And, and obviously there's so many different little tidbits and uh, little areas that, that are really special Islander fans place. So how did you narrow it down to a hundred? <laughs> well, the chapter part is, is tough. You know, there's been, there's certainly plenty of interesting things that have happened, you know, <laughs> Good and bad, and and uh, kind of my guiding principle from my editors at Triumph was don't avoid the bad, <laughs> even though this is a book for Islander fans and they want to enjoy the good stuff. Um, and there was plenty of good stuff to get into, whether it was obviously the the build up to the dynasty era, writing about Bill Torrey and his legacy, Al Arbor and his legacy, the legacy of all the, the Islanders uh, legends whose numbers are retired, who are the, form the core of that team, some of the guys that weren't part of the core but are four-time champions who meant a lot to that that team, uh, you know, as they became the most dominant team of the 80s. And then, you know, uh, even some of the some of the off years, there's lots of characters and, and people around, just funny stories. I've covered the team for 12 years now, so I've seen and heard a few of them and met a few of these guys, even ones that I didn't cover that were hilarious to talk to, whether it was my old friend Mark Parrish talking about the house that he and Steve Webb and Sean Bates and Eric Cairns <laughs> lived in in Garden City for the 0102 season, which was really, you know, kind of an important season, I think, for a lot of Islander fans. It was the first season for a, a certain vintage of Islander fan that was really successful after a lot of bad years. Um, and those guys certainly made the most of their time there as four young single guys who hosted a lot of teammates who uh, were happy to get away from their own apartments and get out and get together for a little bit. Um and then on up to, you know, the current day, and it's obviously with the pandemic, it's been a little bit different covering the team and, and being around the guys. But uh, a few of the guys gave me some great time on the phone and were able to kind of catch up last off season and, and talk about some of the, the fun things that, that happened with them, whether it was Johnny Boychuk and his introduction to the Islanders or Anders Lee becoming captain or um, just their time in the in the bubble in 2020 in the playoff run to the semifinals and how they kind of kept themselves sane. It was uh, it was a lot of fun to, to work on and and you know dig through the internet to find old articles by some people that either I worked with over the years or I read when I was growing up. We covered the Islanders for a long time way back when. It, uh, it was just a fun a, a fun opportunity and a great exercise and and got tons and tons of help along the way to kind of get myself to that 100 chapter mark 
That's awesome, Arthur. And do you happen to have maybe a, a favorite lesser-known nugget that you might be able to tease us with for people who uh, might be <laughs> interested in uh, picking up the book? You know, there's one that I have in the middle of the book about a woman named Joanne Hollowa, who is someone that if you're around the Islanders as a media member, and probably more so in previous years when, when Garth Snow or Mike Milbury were in charge, but she is the manager of hockey administration. She's worked for every GM that the Islanders have had. Bill Torrey brought her in. Wow. In the 1979-80 season, so she is a four-time Stanley Cup champion, which not a lot of women can say in any pro sport. And she, you know, I think the the telling quote for that chapter was Garth Snow telling me when he took over as GM, obviously he was a new GM, uh, had no experience, and he learned pretty quickly that the, the key phrase was, we can do this, but let me run it by Joanne first, because <laughs> Joanne was the is the office encyclopedia. She knows the shortcuts to getting visas, even now during a pandemic, she knows where to send gifts to players' families to make them feel welcome when they first get to Long Island. Um, she is the, the most key cog in that front office. And she does get shout-outs from time to time. I think Barry Trotz shouted her out when J.G. Pajo first got here that his visa was pretty well expedited and he got to, into an Islander uniform much quicker than most people would have thought at the trade deadline. But um, and Joanne is also one of the nicest people I've ever met, and she would hate me talking about her and writing a chapter about her because she doesn't want any attention at all. But she's she's a, a, a mother, a grandmother, a husband. Uh, Josh Bailey lived with her and her husband when he was a teenager, first on the island. Oh, wow. It's um, it really it really is a story about what a family the Islanders are, even from the the great days of the dynasty all the way up to some days when people used to make fun of the team for maybe being a little too understaffed under Charles Wong, but they made it home for a lot of people. And I think, um, you know, the, the ridicule that they took as an organization from the outside didn't match the way that people felt about them from the inside. And, and the chapter on her really brings that home. We're talking with Arthur Staple, author of the new book, 100 Things Islander Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, here on the line, brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology. And Arthur, obviously with, with such a, a vast history with the New York Islanders, how do you find the balance to include a lot of the things that, that people know about the, the, 80s, the 80s dynasty team and, and the 70s team with more of those sort of unheard um, newer stories that occur in the 90s and the, the 2000s around some of those lesser successful Islander teams, but the ones that kind of hold a special place in a lot of Islander fans' hearts. You know, I, I felt like, um, and I guess the one small benefit of this pandemic we've been going through for almost two years is that there were a lot of people, retired hockey players, who were available and willing to talk. <laughs> and, um, you know, reminiscing either about their time there, or some of the effects, you know, talking to Brent Sutter, for a long time, he was a part of the dynasty core. He was one of the last dynasty. I think he was the last dynasty guy to go out the door in 1991. Just talking to him about sitting in Al Arbor's office the day he was traded to Chicago and, and the two of them crying, you know, guys that had been through the wars together. Brent Center came here as a teenager and filled a really key role with him and his older brother, Dwayne. Uh, not, you know, big stars of the Islanders, but certainly key components of those cup teams. And having it all end, and, and Brent Sutter, who went on to be a very successful coach, um, you know, runs his own team now in, in the WHL in Red Deer near his, uh, near his home where he grew up in Alberta. And the lessons that he's taken from two of the you know, Hall of Famers that he, that he played under, um, those kind of stories really meshed well, I felt, with the stuff that a lot of people knew. And for me personally, I did not grow up an Islander fan, so I think that helped me in this case because I didn't, I certainly knew. 
I knew the Easter epic. I watched that as a kid. I knew the Stanley Cups, some of the some of the highlight moments, whether it was, you know, Tonelli to Nystrom or Mike Bossy scoring big goals in the in the second and third cup years, Butch Goring's trade, Kenny Morrow's journey from US Olympian, you know, gold medal winner at the Miracle on Ice right into the Islanders lineup alongside Dennis Potvin like a week later. You know about those things, but to be able to ask those guys about them and hear about some of the little details and how they felt about them all these years later, really, those kind of stories to me are much more entertaining than just kind of than the just the facts recitation of what happened. Because I think a lot of people may be learning about some of these games for the first time, but uh, but you know the headlines. I think it's the, it's the details that always make it more special. Was there one story that that? Or, or one tidbit that you that you learned that you didn't really know the full story behind that really stood out to you as you were putting this together. You know the the story of the the great speech that Al Arbor gave um, when they were down three games to none in 1975 to the Penguins when they were I think at the time the second team ever to come back from a 3-0 deficit and that was you know the the Islanders had already that was their third year of existence they had already beating the Rangers in overtime, the famous J.P. Parise goal 11 seconds in in game three to oust the Rangers in the first round to really put them on the map uh, in the hockey world and in the New York hockey world. They go into the next round clearly feeling good about themselves, go down 3 nothing immediately. And Al Arbor gathers them on the ice uh, at their practice rink and says, you know, kind of gathers the snow together and says, anybody who doesn't think we can, we can come back, like, you know, if you should just don't cross that line. And however, Chico Resch talking about it, I think the legend kind of became that he said it in the locker room. But Chico assured me it happened on the ice, and all the guys crossed the line and they believed, and, and that was just a big moment. I, you know, Dennis Potvin the other day was telling me that uh, that Parise was kind of skating around a guy who had been around the league a long time, kind of saying under his breath, like I've never seen a coach do that before. And those little that little story. You know, it's kind of gets lost the retelling, obviously, because it's such a big moment. And they did come back, obviously, and win. And Chico Rush was kissing the posts in Pittsburgh in Game Seven when he had a shutout, and, and a couple shots rang off the iron. And then they almost went out and did it again the next round against the Flyers. To, if they could have done that to get to the finals, and maybe there'd be uh, they would have gotten a Stanley Cup even earlier in their uh, in their existence. But um, but yeah, those those kind of things. Like I said, I was too young to remember that, but to hear those stories and kind of compare it with how it was reported out and how it's been talked about all through the years. I love those little details that sometimes they change over time because the legend sounds better than what really happened. But, uh, but I enjoyed hearing about it. Talking with Arthur Staple here on the line, brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology. Arthur, of course, the New York hockey columnist for The Athletic and the author of the new Islanders book, 100 Things Islander Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, available everywhere books are sold. Arthur, I kind of want to change gears here a little bit and talk about the current team and the struggle that the Islanders have found themselves in at the moment. And, And certainly, not time to hit the panic button yet, but certainly a lot of concern around what's been going on with the Islanders. And obviously, COVID has impacted them. Injury has impacted them. And then obviously, the other slew of issues that they've dealt with since the start of the season. What, what's what been going on with this team so far? I mean, do you have a minute? It's been everything. <laughs> you have a few. <laughs> it's, it's, it's shocking. You know, I, I, when I, I hopped on the Zoom after the game last night, I did use the word shell-shocked when I asked Matt Martin and Barry Trotz how the team was feeling in just looking at the faces of the guys sitting in the zoom room and Barry Trotz trying to 
trying to kind of laugh it off and they're really what else can you do except if you're gonna you know if you feel like you're gonna cry you might as well laugh <laughs> it's un it's unbelievable what this team has been through and nobody's gonna feel sorry for them they are a team that everybody's gunning for now after the way they performed the last two seasons and the last two postseasons and the expectations they had coming into this year there's no easy nights for them um and i think teams are kind of licking their chops now the, the way the division has been was already going to be something that put them on their heels even if they had won a couple more and say they were you know six five and two coming off the road trip or a couple games over that still wouldn't be very high up in the standings because the metro has been so tough so far yeah. you got teams like the rangers that seem to produce two points every night. Carolina has been incredibly dominant. Washington still looks good. Pittsburgh's getting their act together. Columbus has won maybe more games than they thought than people thought. The Devils, yeah. same thing. So this is this was going to be a hard, hard road no matter what. And then you pile in on top of that the COVID situation, which they managed to avoid pretty much completely for two years in the in the teeth of the pandemic with no vaccines in the bubble in 2020. Um, it takes a lot of a lot of fortitude and a lot of mental toughness to kind of get through that and not and not drop your guard. And I think we've started to learn now, even with everybody fully, you know, in the organization fully vaccinated, that these things can happen. And there's, you know, sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. And it's really hard to stop the spread once it once it hits. Uh, and then you add in the Ryan Pollock injury, a potential Brock Nelson injury last night. Two guys that have hardly ever been hurt in their careers. I think they both had over 260 game consecutive game streaks that were stopped it's uh, it feels like an avalanche right now and i the excitement of the weekend with the new building opening was certainly something that was that was to be celebrated by the islanders organization the fans but the disconnect between that and what's happening to this team um it's uh it's not panic mode because that would imply that there's going to be lots of changes i don't know what they can change they don't even know what their lineup is going to be on wednesday uh, or whether they can even play it's just the unknowns combined with the disappointments really have them in a bind right now. And this next three, four five games are much bigger than you would think for games in November. Arthur, I wanted to ask you, cause you kind of just mentioned it there. Are, were you surprised that the games occurred on Saturday and Sunday? And is there, what's the possibility at this point now that there is a post moment of at least Wednesday's game or at least two of the next three, or maybe three of the next three. You know, I think I think there's a threshold the NHL has in mind. Um, and the Islanders obviously aren't there yet. You know, San Jose was kind of the first ones to go through it. They had seven guys go on at once on the COVID protocol list, some key guys for them. And the league said, play on. You've got your, your AHL team right there. Uh, I don't think they had a lot of big travel or international travel to do to worry about. So they said, you know, I think the rules were kind of pretty clearly laid out to teams before the season. Um, even if nobody's to blame for these things happening, you have to be able to withstand them and you have to prepare yourselves to have some call-ups. Um, you know, I think with the Ottawa situation was a little different because you were getting into, I think it got to 10 guys and they just couldn't stop the spread. And that was sort of the indication that uh, as they kept getting more positives day after day, they were, they were able to field a competitive lineup. And being in Canada with the cross-border restrictions, I think they felt like, taking them out of commission for a week to let it pass was the right thing to do. And I think we're not there yet with the Islanders. Clearly, you know, they, they have the ability to bring up reinforcements. They did quite a few of them. And, uh, you have to just prepare yourself, uh, you know, get guys. I think Anatoly Goloshev was about to make his NHL debut, but Anthony Beauvillier was fortunately found to be a false positive. So he went back in, but 
Goloshev, you know, maybe he was driving back to Bridgeport and they might call him back tonight or tomorrow. It just, it's, um, it's an uncertain situation. And I don't think, um, you know, it, 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 you don't want to be crass about it, but it might help the Islanders to maybe pause for a little bit and get these things, get this thing under control so that they can get some of their regular guys back. They've obviously missing some very key guys in Pellick and Bailey and Lee. Um, but I don't think the NHL is going to throw them a lifeline. Everybody knew the rules going in, and uh, it's a tough situation for them because it hasn't happened to a lot of other teams. But um, the fact that it, they were able to avoid it for so long and have it happen at, at this awful time with the new arena opening, with the long road trip, with the team struggling, it's uh, it, it's just a difficult spot to be in. And, and we'll have to see what happens uh, when they get back on the ice for practice tomorrow. But uh, if they have no new guys going in they just have to wait it out with the ones that are in protocol and hope that the spread is stopped and hope that some of their call-ups can can stop the bleeding a little bit when the rangers come to ubs on wednesday yeah for sure arthur and and just when you cut through i guess all of these factors and elements that you've been talking about right i mean whether it's the the lengthy road trip in the beginning of the season and now the the covet issues and having guys like pullock and and Nelson potentially out for a little bit of time here. But what aside from that, though, I mean, just what have you been seeing on the ice from this team, even prior to the, to the COVID list coming out and stuff like that, that, that what's been ailing this team and why they've been having such a hard time coming out of the gate here and, and maybe, you know, picking up a couple more points than they probably should have at this point? Yeah, they, you know, I, I just think even when everybody was healthy, the, the mix did not seem right, um, you know, you bring in Zdeno Char at the end of the summer, which, you know, is a nice move nostalgically. And I think in the right circumstance, he could be a help to this defense. But the spot that they put him in, essentially replacing Nick Letty, is, is not really, uh, it's not really a, a one-for-one swap there. I, you know, I have to believe that when the Islanders traded Nick Letty way back in July, they had a, a plan A and a plan B and a plan C to try to find, excuse me, a replacement for him. And I don't think Zdeno Chara was any of those plans A through C. Um, you know, maybe they were looking on the trade market. Maybe they were talking to Seattle after the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe a lot of things that didn't come to fruition. Or maybe Lou Lamarillo felt like they could get through the beginning part <clears throat> of the season with Chara and with whatever else they had. And that was pretty quickly dispelled by the way that they played to start the season. So that was, you know, that was a mistake. And, um it's hard to fix those mistakes because they don't have a ton of depth and they've kind of been forced into a situation now using Robin Sallow. And I think they've seen maybe the, one of the few bright spots that this kid can handle himself a little bit. Maybe he shouldn't be playing 22 minutes a night, but, but he could be, he could be an NHL defenseman on the third pair and help them on the power play as he gets more comfortable. But um, that was kind of the first one. And I think as far as the, the forwards go, you know, I, I, you don't want to second guess the situation, but I think the swap of Jordan Eberle for Kyle Palmieri, my my fear was, and I expressed it on our site, that that swap really kind of duplicated some of their top six efforts. They they brought in a guy in Palmieri who was an effective guy. He's certainly been snake bit like a lot of their forwards in terms of scoring. He's had lots of chances and generated a lot, but he is an Anders Lee type of player. You know, he's not he's not. Anders Lee, very few guys are, but, um, but Palmarius is more of a mucker and a grinder. He's not a, he's not a free flowing player the way Eberly is, uh, a guy who meshes well with Matthew Barzal. And I think that's kind of hurt them a bit, um, in terms of that top nine, trying to find 
a guy who's the right fit for Barzal. You know, I think a lot of fans want to see Oliver Wallstrom there. Wallstrom hasn't had a great season other than a couple of really good games scoring goals. He clearly was in Barry Trotz's doghouse before the, the COVID outbreak began. So, um, you know, it just, it just the, the mix feels wrong right now. And I don't know that you can make a panic move uh, if you're Lou Lamarillo because he's not that sort of guy. But I'm sure with the Pollock injury and potentially a Nelson injury, you're, you're exploring some options. But also, on the other hand, you have to wait and see how these next few games go. If, they're, if they lose three or four more in a row, you know, I think that's it for the season. You know, you hate to say it in November, but it's the, the, the climb is just straight uphill from there. Right. You're, you're looking at a 10, 12 point gap with the playoffs and there's not going to be enough teams that lose in the division to make that feasible to make up. So, um, you know, I think, like I said, these next few games are pretty important uh, for what the direction of the season. If they can steady themselves and, and grab a few points, maybe, you know, get some guys out of the protocol uh, over the weekend, start to feel like they're a complete team again, then maybe you start to look at bringing in some other reinforcements from outside and Lou Lebrow will go for it. Cause you know, he's going to try to go for it. That was certainly the plan this year. Um, but, but right now that just the, the mix of the, of the 18 that they're playing on a regular basis doesn't feel right. And it doesn't feel like there are a lot of solutions available. Right. And Arthur, in the last one, I'll just sneak in here before we let you go. Has there been anything on the decision-making side of Barry Trotz that might've made you curious that might have something to do with what's been going on so far? You know, I think he's he's leaning on what's worked. You know, I, I pointed out in my story today, you know, the probably their best shift of the game last night came after a power play in the second period. They're down a goal. Uh, they kind of pen the Leafs in for a little while. The Leafs iced the puck. Could have gone with anybody, you know, the final minute plus in the second period. And they went with the Casey Sezikis line. And that identity line has really struggled the last couple of weeks um, at both ends of the ice. You know, they were, they were pretty... They were pretty uh, outclassed in the Florida game, and uh, and I think that definitely you know puts a burr under the saddles of those three guys, and they usually respond well. But then being asked to do a little too much as really the only line that stayed together through the weekend, uh, it seemed to seemed to kind of get them across purposes a little bit about what they needed to be doing. And I don't know that putting them out for an offensive zone draw after you have a little bit of momentum and a tired Leafs team is the way to go and lost the draw, went straight out of the zone, the Leafs were able to make a change. So, you know, that kind of thing. I, I feel like the four-on-three situation where, where last night where Trotz put out the four forwards and they ended up giving up a shorthanded goal. You know, I kind of agree with Trotz there. Like, you put your four best guys out there because you know you need a goal and you're struggling to score goals. That doesn't mean you'll pay attention to what's going on at the other end of the ice. And they were they really they really, you know, squirted that puck around an awful lot in the offensive zone and did very little with it. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't really fault trots for that, but you know, he's not a guy who's quick to make changes. And I think that's why Lou likes him. You know, they're very patient guys, both of them. And and that patience has really paid off over the years. You know, the impatience on the outside is understandable because the fans are really worried about the way the season is going. And I'm sure that Lou and Barry are too, but I don't know that they see, a ton of options right now for me personally, and I don't know that it makes a difference. I would probably throw goal and it's only Goloshev in there. Uh, a guy who scored goals in the KHL. He scored some goals in Bridgeport. He's a, he's a veteran pro. I'd probably put him in over Andy Andrioff. Uh, if the lineup's going to stay the same on Wednesday, just to give yourself a little bit more of a top nine guy rather than a more sure. of a plugger feel. But I don't you know, when, when everyone else is going, so cold and, and you're missing so many key guys, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to second guess because they're just trying to, 
keep their heads above water. Arthur Stable from The Athletic, and of course now an author of the new book, 100 Things Islander Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. And I should mention, because I, I think I always forget, he is also the host of the No Sleep Till Belmont podcast, which is a wonderful Islanders podcast, which we encourage you to listen to after you listen to Hockey Night in New York every week. Except, Arthur, I do hear that there is an opening for a co-host, and I would like you to know that Sean and I's schedules are open if you need <laughs> well, we'll have to see about getting you guys on. You, you've been you've been so good to me. I appreciate it. We did have we had Dennis Potman on this week, so you know, on my list of <laughs> dream dream co-hosts, it's kind of Potman one, Christian two. Oh, but, you know, I, I mean, two though. I mean, that's, that's fair. A big, that's, that's fair. A Arthur. big ego. No, no me. pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Arthur, thank you so much for the time. I can't I pre- can't thank you enough for it. And of course, uh, congratulations on the new book. Yes, thank you so much, Arthur. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. You got to feel uh, better. Arthur Stable from the Athletic. And, of course, the author of the new book, 100 Things Islander Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, available everywhere. Books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, is that still a thing? Are those still around? Yeah, bookstores. BN.com. 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 It's still a big Barnes & Nobles in Carl Place. There you go. That's probably the last one. (laughs) But (laughs) available everywhere books are sold. Definitely pick it up. Arthur uh, does a tremendous job covering the Islanders for all these years now. Columnist covering both teams, Islanders and Rangers. And now author on top of all of that. Do you think he had to reach to find 100 things, or do you think it came pretty <laughs> well, easily to him? I mean, considering, <laughs> considering how much has happened with this organization. 100's a lot. 100's a lot, a lot but yeah. I mean, look, think about all the craziness yeah. that's happened. There's a 100 things that everyone, I think you could easily get to that number with the Islanders. Yeah, that's fair. There's a lot They of have a long, long enough history. I don't know, uh, rich enough? Depends rich, on which wacky, part you're talking about. But Funny. Yes. Sad, well, always, always great to talk to Arthur. Congrats to him on his new book. And more importantly, I'm second right behind uh, Dennis. Yeah, I'm sure he meant that genuinely. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he was telling listen, the truth. Listen, it's on tape. You it's can't true. Take that away from me. That's true. That's true. he did say it. He did yeah. say it. So I guess it must be real. No one for yeah. No one forced him to say that. No, nobody did. Nobody did. So let's get back to how bad the Islanders are. Of course, that segment brought to you by our friends by uh, Thai Technology. Yes, yes, our good friends over at Thai Tech. So we started talking a little bit about, well, everything, but <laughs> I wanted to talk about these defensemen that came up yeah. from Bridgeport. Robin Salo, Grant Hutton. Yeah, and, and even though Ajo has already been up. Sebastian Ajo. Yes, yes, the other, yes, Sebastian Ajo. I can't really say better right now because that, that would be false. It'd be very false. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough. It's tough because the defense has already been such an issue for this team prior to this this COVID situation, and you know they're about to come home. You think okay, that's that's where they've been successful, and then this COVID issue comes up, and and then all of a what sudden you're say? just scrambling. It felt like you were going to say something that wasn't the word issue. It might have been an expletive. No, 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 no. <laughs> and then this COVID ish. Yes, uh, I mean that would have been appropriate as well. But no, FCC compliant, baby. But it's only it's only become worse now because you have these these green kids coming up from Bridgeport. But again, to kind of get back to what I was saying about Salo, I mean, maybe it's in essence a bit of a blessing because that's a guy who probably wasn't going to touch 
NHL ice if everybody stayed healthy all year. Yeah, I mean and it was the uh, it was it was almost the Devontae's route. Right, right, exactly. Well, we'll see. We'll see yeah, if he sticks right, around. But but you know, but we're we're seeing that it looks like he may be able to handle handle himself up here a little quicker. I mean, I, I think I remember before the season started that I was saying I'd be shocked if if we if he really saw any time up here. And and now he he's been playing so well down in Bridgeport. And he, he gets a crack up here. Barry Trotz trusts him with a lot of minutes, although in fairness, he, he doesn't have much choice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so look, maybe this is a guy who does get, get some more time, and, and you look at Hutton, and he's a guy who we've heard good things about in the past, and clearly, you know, they, they're going to need a, some help on the right side. I mean, I know Barry Trotz doesn't mind throwing Andy Green on the right side, but ideally, we also know he likes having his lefties on the left side right. and his righties on the right side. So, I mean, did I see enough out of Hutton to say, yeah, keep him up here? Probably not. Uh, he got, well, I think it was against Toronto. He, yeah, he got beat to that loose puck down low that led to a goal against Toronto. That that wasn't a great look for him. Like I was saying, I all... Think, yeah, Salo and Hutton both had, like, rough plays yeah, in Toronto. Yeah, you had Ajo had a giveaway or two over these last yeah. couple of games. And so, like, there's definitely been some blemishes with these guys, and it's to be expected. You, you can't expect these kids to come in and, and just be solid, stalwart defensemen yeah. right off the bat. But it just it's, it's piles on yeah. to everything else that's been going on. And, and like I was saying before, you'd hope that maybe they start finding their scoring touch when they get home, but they just have more and more struggles. And, and I've seen a little bit of it in the chat already. Yes, the power play somehow managed to get even worse than it already was. And and I know people were already, you know, talking about it on Twitter. We've even talked about it on the show. Yeah. How they went from zero shorthanded goals against last season to now having three. Yeah. No, I asked a lot about that yesterday actually. It's 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 ugly. There's no other there's no other word to put on it. And I don't know, maybe it's 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 somewhat mental just being on the road for that long and and they're gripping their sticks harder because they've been struggling scoring whatever the case may be but it's just not there right now and and i think even with all these covid issues and whatnot in included they still gonna have to find a way to kind of look inwards and, and buckle down and, and turn this thing around because like like arthur said there's no changes coming they're not going to make any any knee-jerk reaction deals here especially in a season as he said that could potentially Go south, and do you want to give up assets? Do you want to give up big assets for a guy right now to bring in where you're not even sure if it's going gonna, it's gonna to be enough to salvage the season? They're going to have to find this inwards right now with the crew that they have. By the way, we want to invite people to ask questions for our, our segment, Questions Brewing, later on in the yes. show, just a reminder. But to react to what Sean is saying, I agree. I mean, we've always known that the power play is, is, is lacking with, with this team for whatever reason. they've been reason. able to get by. Right. But now... Uh, but, well, even... Yes and no. So here's the yes and no part. Yes, they've been able to get by, but no, they haven't at the same time. Because even if you look at last year, and I know we talked about it during the show, mm. you had Barry Trotz talking about in what was it March or April that you know at that point they're just trying to they're trying to have the power play go out there and not lose them games. And right. when your coach is saying that in March or I forget if it was March or April, mm -hmm. but at that point in the season when they were slumping a little bit too. You know, that's a cause for concern, sure, right? I mean, that's sure. that's a shocking thing to hear a coach say and, yeah. and kind of and basically admit that your power play is somewhat ineffective. Now, you take that from last year where, okay, they didn't score, but at least they weren't giving up shorthanded goals. Now they have three in the first 15 games. Yeah. Yeah. That's a rough spot because, yeah. yes, it's compounded by the COVID issue. Everything's, everything we're talking about, at least in the last two games, is going to be – there's an asterisk with, yes, it's compounded by the COVID issue, right. but – Right. And in this case, but – the Islanders' power play was already struggling. They don't make 
great puck decisions. Barry has said that himself, and he's talked about it in the past, This through the first 15 games of the season. Yeah. And then there's the hesitancy, hesitancy to shoot. There's the desire to continuously try and make the perfect plays. And you add that all up, all up together, mm. and you kind of have this amalgamation of what we've seen over the last two games against the Calgary Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs, what you had earlier in the week against Florida and Tampa. Um, you know, it's a it's a power play that at times you can see them gripping their stick, stick and open, overthinking things, mm-hmm. and then other times just making very poor decisions with the puck and trying to force a play. Right. And it's just costing them time after time. And then you'll see maybe a, a, a seg- segment here or a segment there where maybe they generate a chance or two. And you're thinking, okay, maybe they're getting it together. Right. But somehow it, it always reverts back to, you know, you move the puck around the blue line, you try and skate down, look for that open shooter at the, at the top of the blue line, fire it, and maybe get a redefle- redirection or a yeah. deflection in front. And, 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 and teams know what they're doing. Teams know what they're doing right at this point. Like, teams aren't surprised what the Islanders' MO is when it comes to their power play. And you can see it by the, by the rate of success they're having, and you can see it by the way teams are matching up and, and blocking shots and not getting shots and, not, uh, and clogging up those lanes and not letting the Islanders do and set up the way they want to. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's been a problem for a long time. It's and it's just a recurring theme here on the yeah. show. We keep talking about it. And power it just, play troubles brought to you by Osprey <laughs> Pro Company, <laughs> right? And it's again, it's gotten worse. And I just you know, like you would think that these guys would just figure it out <laughs> by now, <laughs> truthfully. And but look, I guess if you're trying to look at it somewhat half full, it it, it can only get better from here. I mean, they, I, it's kind of bottoming out now. I mean, can it get any worse? Probably not. It's already in the in the basement of the league. They're they're giving up short-handed goals against, and and I think it's they just need to simplify it. Just get pucks to the net. You talk about guys hesitating to shoot, and and you have their new power play quarterback in training, Noah Dobson, who's who's extremely guilty of that. I right. a, a number of times I see Noah on the power play where he has a lane to shoot. And he either hesitates or he elects to pass. And so sometimes the simple. Now look, there, and there's a, there's a fine balance between you know picking the right play and also the 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 people in the crowd just yelling shoot <laughs> at all times in the power play. Right? There's 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 a happy medium between right. Them. And that's yeah, I mean, what if they you're have. A to professional fun. athlete, you probably shouldn't be listening to the guy in right in the seventeenth row with right. a two beers deep screaming shoot. Yeah. You're 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 usually you the guy three rows deep, only one beer in, and then maybe right because he'll guy. just shoot, please. Yes, it's a lot more. <laughs> please shoot the puck. Yeah. Yes, but but the guy that twenty being rows said, up is cursing at you in that point. Right, and he's like fifteen right. beers deep. Right, and at probably least. broke because he paid twenty dollars a beer at UBS Arena. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> but, but they do have to start firing the puck more. Yes, and and just that's what I'm saying. Simplify, get pucks to the net. When you get Anders Lee back, he, that's what he's tailor-made for. Even Kyle Palmieri. Get, just get these guys in front of the net. Get pucks in there. The goalie's not going to grab every one. I mean, maybe they should probably, you know, think about not shooting at the at the crest every time because that's been a part right. of the problem too. But, yeah, just get pucks to the net, crash, and and just see what happens. And, and yes, like, please, I know, I know Trotz hasn't been thrilled with Wallstrom. He's been pretty, you know, I suppose up and down with him so far this year. But if there's anybody on this team who's always thinking, shoot, it's that guy. Get him the puck and get him firing pucks because not only does he think shoot first, but he usually puts them in a good spot. Yeah. No, I agree. It's just, it's a lot of, at times, overthinking something that is very simple. 
And that's always been the Islanders' biggest problem. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they can't break the habit. Even when you tra- change up play- power play personnel, even when they change up the coaches that have run the power play in the past, you know, there just doesn't seem to be a, a, a quick solution or any solution at this yeah. point of how to change the process. I do want to point out, I've seen, I've been looking at the chat as we've been mm-hmm. discussing, there are people now openly mentioning what happens if Barry Trotz gets canned, fired, which I think we have, we're a very long, I want to point that out now, we're a very long way from that <laughs> being a conversation that has any sort of validity to it. So um, yeah. just to point that out. But yeah, I, the power play has always been, an issue, and now you add everything else that's going on, on top of it. Yeah, it's 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 an even greater problem. And and when the team's in scoring, it it's, it feels like a greater problem. And when they're losing six straight games, it feels like an even greater problem. Well, Christian, we're already within ten minutes of nine o'clock. So what do you say we find out what's brewing, and then we'll keep the train rolling here? Sure. Sound good? Yeah. Great. And now it's time for what's on tap. Brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. That's right, folks. It's time for What's on Tap. So, Christian, this is where you get to be the star of the show. And let us I'm know. always the star of the show. Yes, you are, Christian, all the time. So, yes. no, 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 what's on tap for the New York Islanders? The Islanders have a trio of games this week, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Division uh, foes? Division foes. Metro foes? Metro foes. Okay. I feel like you're setting me up for something here. No, not oh, at all. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> Don't be paranoid. I'm paranoid. Islanders <laughs> play the New York Rangers, the red-hot New York Rangers, might I add, yeah. at the UBS mm-hmm. Arena on Wednesday evening, Thanksgiving Eve, which is sure to be a... Uh, a, it'll be a, a great as- atmosphere because you're going to have a coming together of the two fan bases again. Uh, you, <laughs> yes. I was going to say you'd like to imagine it won't be 50-50, but... I, yeah, I don't know. Nassau Coliseum has always I, been you know 60-40, what? 50-50. Yeah, but... 70-30 at times. <laughs> I think you're going to see more Islander fans in the building on Wednesday than Ranger fans because of the whole season ticket priority and all that. I, I mean, that'd be a great, I think it's, it's a great yeah. thing, but I, you know, I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere when you have the two fan bases come face to face. Hopefully uh, the UBS arena security is, is ready for their uh, first taste of Islander Rangers post pan, not post pan. Yeah. Is but, there, uh, is there like a betting normal. line that I can find for the, the Number first, the first <laughs> I was, well, I was going to say Number we're pretty much kicked out of the building guaranteed to have the first audience brawl or fight at least uh, at UBS arena on Wednesday. I think especially <laughs> the night. I mean, they call it the biggest bar night in the country or yeah. something like that. The, this is the biggest drinking night in the country. Yeah. Yes. So, so people are going to be feeling on real nice behavior? and toasty oh, yeah. on Wednesday night coming into UBS arena. All your co- everybody's back from college and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, it, it would be wise of the, of the UBS arena staff to beef up security that night because <laughs> Islanders Rangers, it's going to be interesting, but, but I think on the ice it'll be interesting as well. No, a hundred percent. And and honestly, do you really want the New York Rangers winning their first game in UBS Arena if you're an Islander fan? Like this is I mean, not just for the points, not just for the standings, but just for pride. <laughs> you you kinda want your team to win the first game against the Rangers in your new building. Yeah, I I, I agree with you on like a very storyline sense like that makes a great storyline for us in the media to talk about and write about for a couple Giving days you layups here man. but at the same time if i'm the team that that needs to be the last thing on your mind because they, i wasn't they need the- i wasn't thinking of it from a brock nelson perspective or a zach parisi perspective Just, but yeah. uh, but you know if you're the team the the focus and the emphasis on they need two points they need two points against every metropolitan foe they play at this point on um there's just no there's no way around it the team is in is in a in a serious circumstance and close to a fight 
Close to a fight last night in 121. Very interesting. Oh, okay. Someone must okay. proclaim their love for John Tavares, and <laughs> someone else must <laughs> right. have thrown a beer can at him or her. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's an important game. You have the Rangers really, uh, as Arthur alluded to, kind of picking up points every night, it seems like, in, in some fashion mm-hmm. or the other. They beat the Buffalo, what was Buffalo Sabres the other day? 5-4. 5-4 and a you know, last-minute goal. Point four seconds yeah, left. I yeah, I mean, the Rangers are just finding ways to win, even you know, even though Gerard Gallant's yelling at Molly Walker for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it just it just seems like they're they're on a, they're on a hot streak. They're playing really well. We I think to be fair, now we we underestimated a lot of teams in this division. Uh, you and so I so far uh, very yeah. much so between New Jersey, Columbus, the Rangers, um, and these these are these. I don't know why you're making a face when I said the Rangers. The Rangers are doing really well. No, what I'm saying is I I I thought the Rangers were going to be better this oh, year. Okay. Maybe not as good as they are right now, but better. Um, but yeah, no, I. Uh, Columbus oh, is surprising me. Sense. Jersey is surprising me. Um, oh, I'm enough. not gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's just keep, yeah, keep going. <laughs> you, but but regardless, this is an important game. It's an important two points for the Islanders against a team they'll see twice in the span of five days. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know they're gonna want to pick up points in the first game at UBS Arena. Obviously, the fans are gonna want to see the Islanders win. Then they play the Pittsburgh Penguins on Friday. Yes. Um, which I believe I think they're from my understanding. This isn't coming from an official source, but. From my understanding, there's also some sort of it's. I think it's the hockey fights cancer night at the at UBS arena as well, mm-hmm. and I believe they'll be honoring some uh, local folk who have fought and, and beat, beat cancer before the game or okay. after the game or, or at some point. But I'm, I'm I think that's from my understanding. I think that's happening on on Friday against the Pittsburgh Penguins, but also okay. a very important game for the Islanders as well because of again the points. The Pittsburgh Penguins are a team that. Getting their act back together, they're you know I don't have the standings up in front of me, but they're they're a few points in front of the Islanders, and um, again, we <laughs> can't <laughs> we can't emphasize enough how important these these divisional games are, and then you have the Rangers on Sunday again, where you, you know, back in Madison Square Garden, uh, another important two points, and in, in a, at a point in time when the Islanders really need you know we talked about it when we were going into the uh, when they were going into the um, Florida trip at the end of the 13-game road trip, and, and I think I said they need a three out of four yeah. on that. Yeah. They got none. I, I, think you need, I think you need five out of six on this on this next three games. Five out of six would be great. I'll take four. <laughs> I'll take four if I want to be a little, you know, more modest. But, but yeah. I, I don't mean, even think it's modesty. I just think at this point, like, they need mm-hmm. to pick up a point in all three of these games. Anything less is problematic. Well, look – We'll 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 get a good a good uh, idea of what these three games could, could potentially look like once that puck drops on Wednesday. Because if they don't come out, you know, just all over the puck on Wednesday night, then that's that's going to give me some pause. Because I mean, like like you're saying, like Arthur's been saying, like the time is now. Like yeah, it's only November, but they're already behind the eight ball. Right? They're you know what I mean? It's it's not like they're kind of meandering up there with everybody else. I mean, it's been duly noted that they're already they're already behind, yeah. and and you know, there's that. You know, magical statistic, if you're out of the playoffs by Thanksgiving, then there's, the chances are you're not going to get in. Now, the Islanders are not going to be in a playoff spot by Thanksgiving, but they're still going to have plenty of games to go, plenty of home games. They still have games in hand on teams. It's not impossible. And, look, if this team can rediscover their game, because, look, it's pretty much the same team. Yes, right. a couple of changes, some of them a little more important than others, but it's a, these. this is a team that is still capable of going on a run, 
putting points on the board. It doesn't look like it now, but that's how everybody seems to look at it, right? I was saying this to you, Christian, before we before we went live, is that, you know, observers, fans, what, what have you, we're all guilty of it, but we also have a tendency to look at what's going on with the team in a vacuum in, in very recent history, what's happened in the last three to five games, which right. makes sense. But usually when you spread out that point of view over an 82-game season, there are peaks and valleys. And right now, unfortunately, the Islanders have started in one of those valleys. And But it wouldn't surprise anybody if they end up getting back to one of those peaks. It wouldn't surprise me. Right. The problem is they just haven't shown it yet. They, they, they teased it in the middle of that road the trip. The Winnipeg game. The Winnipeg game was their best game so far this best season. Best game of the season, yeah. But they tease it in the sense that, what, they went how many games? Seven games with points? Yeah, Seven-game point yeah, streak. Yeah. They ended up going up 5-2-2, two, and two, and everyone's like, okay, they're finally starting to look like themselves. And then we know what's happened since then. But you you take a look at that, and you take a look at what they've done with this team over the past few years with Barry Trotz. They can do it. It's Unfortunately, it's just not happening now. And they may still have to struggle through this COVID situation for the next couple of games, waiting for guys to get back. But you know what? Again, you can't really use that as an excuse. This is this is a team that can still chip points away from teams like the Rangers and teams like the Penguins under these circumstances if they bring their best game. And that's unfortunately something we haven't seen a lot of yet. I Yeah, no, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I think it... it these games are important. I, I, there's no doubt about it. I, yeah. it. It'll be curious to see what the what the jump they have is. I think too, it'll depend on how many players, if any, or more players, end up back on the COVID protocol list once we get to Wednesday. Right. Um, I mean, that's going to be a big factor in it too. But and what comes of Brock Nelson's injury? We don't know a, if that's going to keep him out or not. We'll find out tomorrow. We'll hopefully have an inclination at mm-hmm. the very least tomorrow. What the yeah. deal is? The owners will practice. Tomorrow on Long Island, that's also on tap. But I do want to mention before we move on what's on tap, of course, our live show from R.J. Daniels. Just going to bring that up. Yeah, that's all I know. Okay, folks, so (laughs) this Sunday, talk about that Ranger game at the Garden. Yeah, That's going to be a 6 p.m. puck drop. But at 4 p.m., myself and Tony Stabile are going to be hosting... Isles Rangers viewing party. Like I said, the show gets started at 4 o'clock. We're going to have prizes, raffles, like we always do, 50-50. Plenty of great prizes. I believe we're going to have a nice pair of Islander tickets to give away during that party, so that'll be a good time. we nice. got our pals at Drive for Five coming down. Chris Botta will be coming down to hang out in-house. He's going to sit down Very with cool. Tony and I and talk Islanders, talk UBS Arena, so that'll be fun. He'll be hanging out. He'll be watching. He lives, like, down the block, so he'll just take a <laughs> nice little stroll. Right. Show up at RJ Daniels, so we got a lot of fun going on over there. Might be some Ranger fans there too, so you know. But play nice. But over it's under a great time. number of fights at RJ Daniels. Zero fights. Right. Not having any of that. Peace and happiness. <laughs> Peace and love. But yes, it's going to be a great time. We're expecting a big crowd coming down. It's going nice. to be a lot of fun. So definitely come on down. And of course, our very own Christian Arnold will be calling in from the Garden on the line. Brought to you by Thai Technology to. Talk about the game. So we're going to get you ready. It's a 6 p.m. start, a little earlier on a Sunday. So, you know, I can still have a little fun. And there's a new, brand new optional open bar and buffet that we're doing. $45. Yes, so not only do we have the specials menu with the creative Islander-themed food items and drink items. Very nice. But also, you can throw down $45, open bar, and open buffet. That's it. You're good to go. So, yes, come on down to RJ Daniels. Sunday, four o'clock, four o'clock pregame show. Old friend Tony Stabile gonna be hanging out. It's gonna be so nice without you, Chris. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna miss you. 
Just tell her to go to R.J. Daniels. <laughs> yes, commercial star Tony Stabile. Yeah. That'll be good. <laughs> yes, so come on down. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah. Christian, I'm, think- I'm thinking we break now, and then we go into the Hero of the Week. Okay. Sound good to you? A hero would sound great to me. Yeah, you're always hungry. I am. Well, folks, want to once again thank you for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. And, of course, on your favorite podcast providers later on, we're going to take a break. Then we'll be right back. You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer. And Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations in the Islanders' brand new home, UBS Arena. And because Oyster Bay has increased distribution across the country, you can grab your Barn Rocker from Carolina to California if you're following the team on the road. Here at home, the tap room on 36 Audrey Avenue is open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating so you can experience their smooth honey ale, savory IPA, or gluten-free hard seltzers right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code HNINY at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. Hey Islander fans, you already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal, and now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, All three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it is time for the Hero of the Week. Brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the Mr. Ledecky featuring turkey, ham, provolone, lettuce, tomato, mustard on fresh rye bread. Get it for half price all week starting tomorrow. That is Tuesday through next week where we'll announce a brand new half-off hero. So stop on in, mention Hockey Night in New York for half-off the Mr. Ledecky. So, ladies and gentlemen, as you all well know, the Islanders lost four games this past week and really not a lot of heroes to go around on the ice. So, once again, the Islanders have put us in this very awkward position where we've had to get creative to to pick our hero. So, we did, and we think this one works. So, the brand new UBS Arena getting rave reviews up, down, left, and right. It is a beautiful, beautiful new arena for the New York Islanders that will eventually, we'll get used to it, and, but we get to call it home. It's wonderful. So, our hero or heroes of the week are the UBS construction workers for getting the job done 
and building a beautiful palace for the New York Islanders. What do you say? Well done, Sean. Well done. That's it? You got nothing? I mean, you, you've been in the building, so would you like to share any thoughts on your experience? Oh, I didn't know that's what we were doing. I thought we were talking about the construction workers. That they put together? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But they put the, build, put the building together, yes. Wow. Wow. Painful. Painful, <laughs> Christian. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yes, it's a deserving hero of the week, obviously. They have done a tremendous job with not only the execution of the building, but getting it done on time and, um, you know... It, a phenomenal job all around. Um, it's it's a beautiful building, as Sean said. Anyone who's been inside knows what a what a drastic change it is from the Nassau Coliseum in, in a lot of ways, and how there's a lot of subtle and not so subtle nods to it at the same time. So, mm-hmm. UBS Arena came out great. It's it's really all thanks to the men and women of the the construction force that put together that arena over the last uh, year and a half or so, I guess. Right, even through the two years pandemic, yeah. mm-hmm. which is which mm-hmm. is an incredible feat considering. Everything that was going on. So kudos to them and, and deserving to be this week's hero heroes of the week. There you go, Christian. That wasn't so hard, right? Giving them a little credit, talking about the building. Unbelievable, man. You're unbelievable. That's right. Oh, remember that song? That's right. You weren't alive when that song came out. What song is that? Unbelievable. By what's the name of that? You're Somebody in the chat. Unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I do know that song. It's a good jam. I think it's it was good from jam. the 90s. So there you have it, folks. As, as you know, not much going on the ice to... To, to consider a hero. So we went with the UBS Arena construction workers and hopefully next week the Islanders will, will give us some, some heroes from the ice. Well, you mean like two days from now? This coming week. Yeah, man. Come on, guy. This week. Yeah, this coming week. This week. We're in this week. But next week on the show. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. God, what happened to you? We go to break, you come back and you're just all sorts of difficult. I mean, next, <laughs> next, next week's show doesn't involve me, so I, I just... Yes, you're calling it. in. You're calling in. You're going to be part of it. Am I, though? What's, yes. Thankfully, you won't be present. It'll just be your, it's your, like you're your losing, nails on a chalkboard voice, but, you know. That's like you're losing your Anders Lee, and then you're putting in uh, Andrew oh. off. Oh, man. Is that, is that how you view yourself, man? <laughs> That's adorable. That's cute, bro. That's cute. So there you have it, folks. You're here the week. The Mr. Ledecky. Get it for half price all week (laughs) at the Blue Line Deli and Bagels. At Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Mention Hockey Night New York all week. Get it for half price. A delicious Blue Line Deli and Bagels sandwich. Sean, we really haven't talked about the arena, though, in the opening. Well, we can now. And our impressions of it. Why don't we do that now? Now that... We can segue perfectly out of bringing it up with the construction workers. How about that? No way. All right. So, folks, I'll, I'll take the reins here. <laughs> I'll get started. So, I was there both nights. So was I. And, yes, the results were poor. But I have to say, my expectations were exceeded as far as this building goes. Now, I knew it was going to be great. But to finally get in there and just see that they thought of everything, almost everything, but they spared no expense and for me, it, it felt, and I, and, I, and I communicated this with a couple of people there while I was there talking about it, and, and it seems like the other people feel similarly, that it felt like being at a road game. Like, it felt like I was in somebody else's building. Mm-hmm. It just happened to have a lot of Islander colors. You know what I mean? <laughs> because it was just so away from the norm that we were used to at Nassau Coliseum. And, and even, you know, it doesn't look anything like Barclays either. And it was just so strange to have... Just, I mean, what I would consider a near-perfect arena in the sense that the look, the aesthetics, 
the the views from the seats i sat in a couple of seats and 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 the the views are great the seats comfortable i mean you have every every amenity that you could ask for you have all the bathrooms although i did mention that i did notice uh, the first night that the bathroom lines were pretty long in the upper concourse. Lower concourse, I didn't notice as much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll see how that goes over the course of the season. But I was a little surprised after all the, I suppose, boasting about all the bathrooms that this place was going to have. And it looks like there's still a lot of people that used to need to use the urinals <laughs> in UPS Arena. But, but look, that aside, I mean, just... Up, down, left, and right, and and all the homages they paid to to the fan base, like the the Isles meetup groups. I thought that was great, a very nice touch. And you know, we talked about it last week, bringing in Offside Tavern and Blue Line Deli and Bagels and Oyster Bay Brewing Company. They were in the Coliseum too, but just it's just I think they're just doing a lot of great things. And granted, and I and I've seen some chatter about this too, and and it's warranted. You're paying for it. You're definitely paying for it. I got a, a $15 uh, raspberry iced tea last night. It was $15. Now, it came in one of those blue Islander souvenir cups, so perhaps that had something to do with the cost. Yeah, it usually but does. it was $15 for a non-alcoholic drink. Yeah. And I was, like, when he said 15 I was like, this isn't a beer. And he's like, no, I know. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay. I was like, just, just making sure. So it's a little pricey in there, but here we, the Isles are corporate now. I mean... That's it. I mean, this is this is this is where it's headed, and and this is the kind of stuff that comes with that. You want a state of the art arena? You want all the amenities? You want all these great bells and whistles that a brand new state of the art arena kind of brings to the table? Price tag comes with it, unfortunately. Not saying it's necessarily justified, but that's what comes with it. Yeah. No. I. Uh, it's a beautiful venue, and and fifteen dollars. I would have handed that thing back. I'd be like, you know what? I'll uh, I'll drink the water. <laughs> well, the water's eight bucks too. I think that's better than fifteen. Well, obviously, but it's it's still pricey. But look, no, but no, I, it's joke, a premium experience. Joking, they're going to charge premium prices. Joking aside, it's the norm. Anyone that yeah. goes to an event at the Garden, event at Prudential Center, mm-hmm. at City Field, Yankee Stadium, MetLife, all these new venues, they come with a price tag, and it, it's unfortunate because it makes it so hard for the everyday average person to go to a sporting event regularly with, with their kids or their friends or their family or whatever the case may be. But it's the price tag. It's the price of doing business. It's the price of professional sports at the moment. So it is what it is, but uh, the building is is phenomenal. Um, you know, up, down, left, and right, as Sean said, the the nods to the fans, the the names of all the season ticket holders uh, at one point of the yeah. arena. Mm-hmm. Is a really classy touch. I know every season ticket holder was sent a gift item on mm-hmm. the morning of the home opener on, on the Saturday, and, and the building building just looks great. Mitch Marner actually said it was the best ice he's ever skated on. So wow, um, you know, for all the people that I did know, people did mention that it seemed like the ice wasn't as great for the second game. I think the Toronto game. Mm-hmm. Mitch Marner said it was the best ice he skated on. So wow. Uh, well, hopefully that's, that's not just because it's it's new and that it's something that it'll last. Right, you know, but no, the bu- the building's phenomenal. You, I've been able to luckily. Sean has too. He's a season ticket holder, but as a media member as well, I've been lucky enough to see the different iterations of the building as it's gone through the progress right. of being built, and uh, it's lived up to the expectation. You know, for for all the things and the new things that get built in this area, um, arenas, buildings, parks, etc. Mm-hmm. There is always sort of that expectation that what you see in the drawings is not always going to be the finished product sure, sure and that just hasn't been the case with the ubs arena the building is is beautiful um nods to the nostalgic part of new york the grand hall that you come through when you first come into the building 
uh, a, a wonderful nod to, to Grand Central Station, uh, to Belmont Park next door. The outside, it, it looks phenomenal. The, the brick and kind of how it's bl- it kind of looks nice and, and feels like it fits there um, next to Belmont Park and, and the racetrack. So it's a, it's, it's a phenomenal building, and, and yeah. everybody should be excited about it. Everyone should be happy that this is the Islanders' new home and that for the first time, I think Brendan said it in his open, for the first time, Islander fans don't have to worry about anything other than what's happening on the ice. Yes, and that is the most important thing. All of that flux that the Islanders had been in for years on end, where are they going to play? What's going to happen? Is this building going to get built? Is this going to get renovated? It's all put to bed, and they have a state-of-the-art, arguably now the best arena in the NHL. And even though they're going through some tough times on the ice right now, the fact that that's settled, the fact that this is a place now that Islander fans can call home is just an absolute grand slam. And uh, I couldn't be happier with the building. I mean, you know, just great food choices. And, I mean, there's bars everywhere if you're looking for a drink. And, and I love the how open it is. I mean, not only the, the width of the concourses, yeah. but also how you can, you can catch the game. You know, while you're going to, you know, maybe grab a drink or grab a right. bite. I, I love that part of it, too. And they, they seem pretty lax with it, too, in the sense that they're not they're not just chasing get, you away. Yes, they're, yeah. they're allowing people to hang out, stand around, but watch the game. But that was by game. design. You remember John talking with, with us last week, and, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things he mentioned, you know, that, that the Islander fans talked about inclusivity. Uh, right. And they wanted those open spaces where people could gather and, and come together and enjoy the game. So, and, and two, the tradition of singing the national anthem has, has continued on from the post. Love the that. So, so proud of Islander fans for doing um, that. Which was something that, that John also, John Ledecky also wanted uh, to continue when he was speaking with the media during the Veterans Day presentation. You know, yeah. he, wanted, he wanted to see that continued, and it, it has in a, in a really nice and touching way. So, Everything you could have hoped for outside of the results on the ice mm-hmm. with the arena opening over the weekend lived up to the hype. Yeah. What happened on the ice? Not <laughs> right. so much. No, not yet. Anyway. And and they also have a uh, a restaurant that you can hang out before and after the, the games. The Heineken Lounge? The or Belmont, Belmont Hall. Belmont Hall. Okay. Yes. So Belmont Hall. You That's can the one a- that overlooks the paddock. No, it's it's ground level. Oh, and you where can actually so if you're if you're looking at the main entrance, you know how that's off to the right. Yes. So to the left of that, there's doors you can oh, go through. It takes you right I, into yeah, Belmont yeah. Hall. So they open that up, I think, at eleven thirty in the morning. Wow. Yeah. Now, do I know for sure if that's every game day? No, kind of wouldn't make tailgating. Well, well, if they <laughs> Which did actually, not happen, right, right, nobody for sure. tailgated for sure. But but it's wink, smart wink. because because if people want to get in from the cold. Yeah, they got a place to sit down, get some food, get a drink, and it stays open until midnight after the games. Wow! So that's basically going to be your new champions now. I think at least until the the new hotel is built. But that'll be your spot if you're not looking to leave yet. You want to again January, February. Yeah, you can go back out to the parking lot, or you can go to Belmont Hall. There you go. Have a drink, stay stay warm. So all great stuff, and and I'm sure there's a lot of nooks and crannies that we haven't even seen yet. You know, as far as uh, just you know, there's probably maybe a, maybe an eatery or a spot. I heard I heard a rumor that there's a speakeasy in there somewhere. Really, that yeah. I don't know. Yes, I heard there's I'll a. Have to ask around. Yes, so a lot of cool things going on there. Now we just need the team to start scoring goals and winning games, and then it'll be uh, the total package. So big credit to the Islanders, the organization, the owners, and of course the construction the construction workers for putting together a, a fabulous building, and one that uh, we get to go for every Islander home game. Yes. It's great. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> with that out of the way, yeah. why don't we brew up some questions? Okay. Sound good? Sounds delicious. 
It sounds delicious. All right, folks, that means it is. What is is the beer of the week this week? It is the IPA. That's uh, that's that stands for Indian Pale Ale. Yes, I know what that means. The Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Indian Pale L, sponsoring this segment, Questions Brewing. So, folks, saw you in the chat there before getting some questions out there. We appreciate that. Christian, I see you scroll, scrolling through. Now, what do you got? I need you to give me 10 more seconds. I can give you 10 more seconds. You know, I'm, I see, in the, yes, parking was a bit of a nightmare over the weekend. And, folks, unfortunately, that's something that I think is going to be an issue for a little while because that parking garage we talked about it on the show before yeah, it's not gonna be done till not march. gonna be done till march right that's what they told you yeah mm-hmm. march okay yeah when i went on the tour they said march is the the target completion day and it's it's interesting because it looks completed pretty close yeah. to being complete so i wonder I, I don't know what goes into that but apparently it's going to take another few months before it's done but yeah i think parking is going to be an adventure at least so until then you I, I found a question but i do have a question of my own sure since you've been briefed we can brew that question a, up too as, as a season ticket holder they've briefed sure. you pretty well the parking garage holds how many cars oh i don't know oh okay never mind then. all right forget <laughs> i don't it. have the answer but to that we do have a question brewing from mj beckman okay question brewing why do you think barry didn't rotate d pairs early in the year charo is never supposed to be an 82 game player i think Charles was never supposed to be an 82-game player because I think we all assumed he wasn't going to be an 82-game player. I think that's Maybe that's fair. on us. Yeah. Um, because that was my assumption as well. Even I, I mean, I will say, like, Barry kind of, like, alluded to it, mm-hmm. which is where some of that came from. But, yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of been, on, I guess, on us, too, for just assuming that it was going to be Zidane Char rotating in and out with with whoever else is up there, Sebastian Ajo. Oh. Um but it's funny when you think about it, though, to counterpoint that, we also are pretty aware of the fact that Barry wasn't really too wild about putting Aho in the lineup. Like, he's, right. he's used any excuse to not play him. But that's where it comes <laughs> into You're like, all yeah. right, I guess he just doesn't, he doesn't want to use it. And so yeah. then Zdeno Chara with Sebastian Ajo, only your only real option to kind of rotate in and out of the lineup, I guess, on the, on the back end there. It, it, you know, you don't have too many options other than that. And if you don't want to use Sebastian Ajo, then... You know, Zidane Chara just becomes your everyday NHL defenseman, which I, I don't think is working out well right now. I it's know not. he's trending in the right direction as far as some of the stats-wise right, go, but right. you look at the way he's played, you're seeing him kind of get beaten every game at a certain point. He's getting turned around a lot. Um, it's yeah. And it's not... Guys not what you behind need. him. And when you, yeah. and when you have so many defensemen out now, you're out Adam Pellick because of the COVID. You're out... Ryan Pulak because of an injury. You're out your two best defensemen right now. Even when you get yeah. Pelic back in, you have to compensate for the loss of Ryan Pulak for the mm-hmm. next at least a month. So yeah. the Islanders are in a tough spot, and and I, it, I'm I was surprised at the beginning of the season that Char wasn't being rotated in and out of the, out of the line, lineup. I swear I can talk out of the lineup, but. Now it's a little less surprising just because of the circumstances. They don't really have the luxury of being of nitpicking yeah. who they can put in and right. put in and out. Right, right. I don't think they're going to play three bridge porters over Zdeno Chara right now. So he's in at least for the for the immediate while they're going through this issue. But yeah, unfortunately the the Chara experiment has has not panned out too well to start the season. And I know in, in previous episodes I said maybe the guy just needs time to you know, adjust to the system and, you know, at his age, be able to play it as well as he can. And that could still be the case. But the bottom line is right now, it's still not working out very good. Question brewing from our fan of the show, Thomas Panic. Thomas Panic. Yes. Is this a serious question? Because I know he throws in a lot of... I think it's kind of a joke question, but uh, I'll ask you. All right, all right. There's a, there was also one from T-Boyle that, that I, 
I, I think we kind of addressed earlier as well, but I don't know how right serious he was being. Well, I think it was serious, actually. If when, I, is the one I'm thinking of. When is Trotz getting fired? Yeah, I don't think that's happening. Okay. Uh, yeah, I believe he, he added that he's lost the room. I, yeah. I think it's a, we're getting a little trigger happy with a that. serious question? I do. I do. Um, this is Island of Country, my man. And uh, it's all about results. Uh, no, Barry Trotz isn't getting fired anytime soon. And um, that would be crazy. Yeah, that's not happening anytime soon. It's a and it's I think a wrong solution to. I, I mean, it's the that wrong solves solution nothing to it. It right now, as far as I'm concerned. And I think uh, you got to give the guy a little more rope. <laughs> uh, Thomas Panic, by the way, asking: Is this rock bottom? Seriously, how much worse can it get? Never mind. Been a fan for 35 years. Yeah, so you exactly. you know then if you've been a fan yeah. for 35 years, you know it can get a lot worse. But now that he's been a fan for 35 years, does that give us a clue who who the real identity behind the Thomas Panic? name is on on our chat well, at least now we know it's not anybody your age christian <laughs> it's not anybody young. it's not thomas panic <laughs> it's not it's also not the fictional thomas panic yeah uh taz graz 19 what's up andy question perfect world forget cap forget assets for now who is your perfect addition to provide aisles with more offense Perfect addition to provide the aisle. How about our Tommy Panera? <laughs> How about can we have that guy? Can we read go back that? two years ago? Yeah, uh, yeah. I would love to have a, a trigger man like that. And yeah, they, I mean, you hope one. We've said it before. You hope one day Oliver Wallstrom can do his best impersonation of a of a of a guy like Tarasenko, of a guy like Ovechkin, of a guy who can just pull the trigger and, and fire goals, and then hopefully he does become that. But yeah, of course they could use a guy like that. Who's the ideal one? Uh, who's available? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think Tarasenko is completely off the board now, right? I don't think St. Louis is getting rid of him now. It seems like they've made peace, and yeah, he, why wouldn't they want to hang on to him? Everyone's la di da. I mean, in a perfect so, world, all right. Playing into Andy's question too, in a perfect world, saying that Taras, like you know, things things don't pan out with. Uh, why are you laughing? Because my pal Bilar is eighty nine. Asked me, he tr- he knows how to trigger me. <laughs> no. yeah. I didn't get to that point in the chat. Um, <laughs> But playing out Andy's scenario, I guess, when you look at that scenario, it would be Tarasenko, but under the guise of that him and the the St. Louis Blues did not come to a a peaceful resolution. Um, so Tarasenko is still available on the board. So in this perfect scenario, my tune has absolutely changed on the idea of the Islanders bringing in Tarasenko from where I was at the beginning of, of the season where I didn't like it to now at this point. I think right. I mean if the guy the guy we know what he can do and we know what he's done in the past. Yes, he has injury injury issues, but they haven't in hindsight's twenty twenty, they haven't really reared their ugly head yet. Yeah. And so the Islanders could have used a player like him right now, especially knowing what we know now in that you have the COVID situation coming down the line, you have all these different circumstances. So I still think that that defensive spot is is the one that needs to be a higher priority. Um, because I do, even though, look, the Islanders are, are probably not going to end up being a top five, top 10 scoring team. I do think they're going to self-correct the scoring issues right now where it's once again, accept, acceptable. Yeah. And, but, but if, cause if they write the defense then they can get back to playing their style of game yep. and winning those low scoring games and that's fine. That's their bread and butter. So as much as I would like to pick up a guy like Tarasenko and, or insert, you know, scoring winger here, mm-hmm. uh, I still think. If the Islanders are still competitive in this season, that the defense is still the the issue they're going to have to address. Yeah, I agree. I think it all starts from the blue line as well because it, you know we've always talked about in the past the the transition game is the biggest element for the Islanders for Islanders to create their offense from mm-hmm. the 
from the back end out, and that's how they've always done it. It's why when you look at the loss of Nick Letty and, and how much it's impacted the team, it's surprising, and then when you think about it a little more, it shouldn't be because the Islanders lack the, a lot of the transition players that they, they had on the blue line in the, in the mm-hmm. past, and they've gotten somewhat older on the blue line. Andy Green still has speed, but Zdeno Char isn't going to be someone that's taking the puck out of the the you know the back end of the ice and, and transitioning up to the no, offensive zone. No, so, and, and some of the younger guys, Noah Dobson has struggled to do that and really take, hold, take charge of that, and Scott mm-hmm. Mayfield never really was someone that could do that on a regular basis. No. Um, and then even, you know, you look at Pulak and Pellick, and, and really out of the two of them it would be Pulak, but right. even his offensive game has is, is struggled yeah. significantly. So defensive-wise, you know, he's a tremendous standout defenseman, mm-hmm. but even the offensive game, which needed to be up a level because of the loss of Nick Letty in the offseason, hasn't, hasn't been there. So it's amazing to think that losing Nick Letty and not being able to fill that hole has created such a, a logjam of issues for the Islanders. But you really, right. when you look back at how the season has progressed – it really can be traced back to that decision to save some some cap space and trade Nicoletti. Yeah, and look, we don't have to dive all the way back into that, but it was it was more than just saving cap space. It was because they were forced into make a decision because of the expansion right. draft. No, I th- no, I understand that. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, it's it's amazing when you look back at how significant a decision and a significant loss that was at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely hurting them for sure. There's there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's it's completely change the dynamic of of that defense and, and how they're breaking out of the zone you, Do you know want a silly question Just i like to silly questions. The mood. sure thomas panic back in the house <laughs> got a question how many big chickens did you guys knock down this weekend zero yeah i actually didn't get to the i big haven't chickens had it yet. yet yeah i i do want to try i did the have island. it i have heard oh you had the islander yeah well because i was at the media event when they introduced That's it right. so i had one uh me and Shaq split one okay and yeah, yeah. it was just delicious it's getting rave reviews. Oh, it's phenomenal. Who knew that buffalo chicken with cream cheese and ranch would be such a well-received combination? But yeah, zero. I haven't had it yet, but I plan on it. Maybe Wednesday. It's cream I'll cheese, be in the building on, on Wednesday. Cream cheese is on the sandwich. Mark. Oh, not ranch. Right. Not ranch, blue cheese. My mistake. Cream cheese. Yeah, cream cheese and blue yes. cheese yeah. together. Get it right. I think we sorted that out. Uh, question, <laughs> Andremi13 asks, if they lose the next three games, do you pull the plug on the season? Pull the plug. Define pull the plug. Does that mean play the kids, trade off potential guys that maybe are a pending free agent and stuff like that? I mean, I'm not sure what you consider. <laughs> like, like what's, I what's, finally saw what B. Lars asked you. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there you go. But yeah, I pull the plug. Look, I don't I don't think the team gives up, especially this. Like if they lose the next 3 games, I mean, you know, what 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 would change if they quote unquote pulled the plug on the season? Probably nothing right now. If cuz if you're going to if you're going to, you know, trade guys off to other teams, that's not happening closer to March anyway. You know, so and and this is a team full of pride. This is a team that just came off of two semifinal appearances. So they're going to keep plugging away even if... And it's, it's a veteran team. They're going to keep plugging away even if they lose the next three. And even though that makes the mountain even even higher to climb, I mean, I don't think this is a team that's going to quit even if they struggle over the next few games. They're, they're, going, to keep, they're going to keep going. I, uh, I don't think you pull the plug, but again, it, it's, it's, it, we're in that concern territory, and I think you're slowly at that point inching towards panic. 
and not Thomas Panic, but like regular Panic. <laughs> I know I stole Sean's joke from earlier, but I, I acknowledge it. A uh, question from Black Quinn. We know the administration, Barry Trotz, Lou Lamarell, et cetera, love the vets. Does Chara sit? I think he will eventually. Uh, once guys come back to the lineup. Like, I don't know. See, but here's the thing. I right now, he's not going to. I don't think so. He's not going to right now because they literally need bodies out there. Right. Because you have Pelican. I think he out. has to, but but even before you got to this point, like you had bodies that could play and, and take that spot, and they didn't. Like, like I did, I asked, it, again, it goes back to the question I asked Barry Trotz uh, a few games ago about the, the decision between, the balance between, you know, giving a veteran the, the leash to make those mistakes and recorrect, mm-hmm. and, and when you do that with a younger player, and... um. You know, Barry kind of said that they, the vets have earned that opportunity to mm-hmm. do so because they've been there before, and, and Char is a guy that's been there before. So I don't know. I don't think the leash is as short as, as people think it is with well, him. Well, let me put it to you sure. this way. Let me put it to you this way. Let's say Pollock didn't get hurt. Let's say this COVID didn't spread through the right. team, and, and the team and Char were still performing the way that they have been. Right. Then I think eventually he would have sat. I think they would have thrown Aho in there I, just to I, give him a rest. I just don't I don't know because you were kind of at that point before this started too. Not to say that there wasn't like a panic mode or anything like that, but you were at that point where you could easily make the argument and the point where, where Barry Trotz was acknowledging that Zidane and Char were struggling. Mm-hmm. Um and still putting him in the lineup. So I don't know. I just don't. I'm not. When you look at that circumstance and the situation surrounding playing Zidane Ochara and not, I'm just not there to say that Trotz was going to pull the plug on okay. using Zidane Ochara as an everyday NHL defenseman. By the way, and Jeremy 13. He followed up. He followed up. Pulled the plug. I mean, you don't look to make a trade to save the season. I don't know if it's, if it's the next three games, but certainly... I got to look at the schedule. Well, no, I think I there's think, a time frame at this point where where you I think where you lose it. I think it it makes Lou a little more patient. If they lose the next three games, I think you know you start it makes you more patient. I don't know what it makes you more patient to make it because he's saying to make a deal to save the season. I don't think Lou is going to make a trade to quote unquote save the season. I think if he's going to make a trade to add to this year's team, it's going to be to pad the team. Uh, under the assumption that if they get back into a, a competitive level with the rest of the league where they're actually fighting for or somehow wrestle uh, a playoff spot. I don't think he's going to give up the limited assets that they have now in the situation. If they lose the next three games, I think he's clinging to those draft picks. I think he's clinging to any young guys that he has you know, throughout the organization. So, yeah, I think in that sense, it, 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 it takes his finger off the trigger a little bit. Um, I think we all kind of assume that if they were competitive, that eventually they were going to make a deal. I mean, Christian and I have pretty, pretty much said it every week. Yeah. You get close to the deadline, they're going to go after that defenseman. And, and that's been my belief. Now, if, if they continue to struggle, I mean, I don't see much reason to do that. I don't think, think Lemerill is going to be the type of guy to pull a desperation move and give up a bunch of assets for something that isn't more of a, I don't want to say short thing, but I mean, I, I don't think he's going to want an egg on his face by making a big deal for a guy that doesn't even help him get into the playoffs, you know. No, I understand what you're saying. I just don't. Uh, I don't agree. Well, I, you're, you're, this is your forum to tell us why, <laughs> Christian. That's what it's all about. It's not just uh, yes and no. No, What's, you're wrong, Sean. No. Um. <laughs> by the way, I, to 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 answer, kind of going back and and, and Jeremy's question, I think the th- next three games are in it. I think it's the next two weeks. Once you're because there's seven games over the next week, week and a half, I should say, between mm-hmm. Wednesday through the following Sunday. Okay. Um, 
of next week, so the seventh, right? So you go Wednesday this week, and then they play basically every other night. Uh, yeah. They're playing the, um, they're playing uh, Philly next week. They're playing the Rangers after that. Uh, they're playing Philly after the after the game with the Rangers. They're playing San Jose, Detroit, which has been very good this season, and Chicago. Chicago, one of the few teams that the Islanders have beaten this year. <laughs> yes. Um, those are going to be important games because I think once you get to that 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 uh, December fifth mark, you'll have a better sense of whether or not where Andremi's question is going. I think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's a little too early to make any determination there, but but it's sooner than I think. Well, that, that you yeah. Think. The problem is, is because it seems like everybody else is winning. That's the problem. There's there's just there's it's it's amazing how many points are already kind of spread between them and the teams in, in their division, and and like you said before, like. Seeing teams like the Devils winning more games than we expected. Seeing Columbus winning more games than we expected. Yeah. I mean, I still think those are two of the teams that are going to start eventually regressing to the mean and filtering a little lower in the standings, but it's not happening right now. And But that's what everyone said about the Islanders for the last two years. Okay. Three years. Okay. Well... Not this year, and now, and now they are when the when the when the critics finally started giving them respect and, and picking them for the cup. Now now is when they when they you know start sliding. But I saw someone ask this. I, I, it wasn't a question in Bruin, um, and also kind of got lost because unfortunately we're only we only can see a portion of the the chat at this point. Yeah, which is um, odd. usually doesn't do that. Yeah, we'll hopefully have that the little the bugs corrected for next show. Mm-hmm. But um, Someone asked, someone mentioned, it seemed like they were, the Islanders had read their own press clippings a little too much this year. Mm. Uh, and I just don't, I mean, of I all the know. things that, that have, have gone wrong or that may, may not have been, you know, whatever, yeah. um, I, don't, I don't, the Islanders are not a team that cares. I don't think so. It, it reads their press clippings and, and reacts to them. Right. Um, I would, that would surprise me. That would be the biggest surprise. Yeah, I don't think a, and I don't think a Lou Lamarillo, Barry Trotz coach team, you know, would even allow that you know what i mean right so um but i think we're out of questions that were brewing well thank you for all your questions that were were brewing tonight brought to you by oyster bay brewing company and their delicious ipa great stuff there and i think we can wrap here christian i think we covered a lot of bases and hopefully next week we'll be talking about some form of islander victories because it's been a little while now it's been a little while. It has. <laughs> I'm glad you agree. So, folks, <laughs> not much else to add there, Sean. I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and, of course, on your favorite podcast providers later on. Huge thanks to Arthur Staple for joining us tonight talking about his new book, 100 Things Islander Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Pick it up everywhere books are sold a huge thanks to our sponsor starting with rj daniels american bar and grill located at 279a sunrise highway in rockville center the best place to catch the aisles when you can't make it to the game and remember don't just go for the aisles they have live music comedy nights trivia a late night bar scene they have it all huge thanks to blue line deli and bagels located at 719 west jericho turnpike in huntington an official partner of the new york islanders and the greatest deli around check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for their great selections and hot theme heroes and a huge thanks to Thai Technology, a voice over IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TyTechnology.com for all your telecom needs or give them a call at 516-856-7800 and get three free months of service. 
And a huge thanks to Oyster Bay Brewing Company located at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay. You can order their great beers and merchandise at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or shipping anywhere in New York. And get 15% off with coupon code H-N-I-N-Y. So once again, thank you all for tuning in tonight. And please come down to RJ Daniels on Sunday. We want to see you. Isles vs. Rangers. Chris Botta will be in the house. Christian Arnold will be on the horn or on the line, if you will. If you will. So thank you so much for joining in. Remember, if you like what you're seeing and hearing here at Hockey Night New York, please rate, review, and subscribe. Spread the word. Follow us on Twitch. Follow us on social media, starting with this clown over here, C underscore Arnold01 on Twitter. Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. My name is Sean Cuthbert. That guy's Christian Arnold. We've been Hockey Night New York. Have a great night. Bye.